With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Triple Play Fantasy's football show with D. Mindy, Brastadamus, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now. We welcome in a man who has wheels. The man with a nickname for each jersey number, whether it be hashtag young six or Mr. 8-2-9, the man who kicked a home run in kickball. He might not be the most interesting man for Dos Equis, but he certainly has the most swag, as he's also an ambassador for Game Day Vodka. The founder of 89 Ways to Give Foundation. A rolling stone might gather no moss, but I gathered my crew in here to introduce DMV legend and cowboy killer Santana Moss. What's going on? What's up, fellas, man? Thanks for having me, man. Glad I was able to make it, man, because I, I was I was almost <laughs> whew, I was like, damn, I forgot them boys. Man, I kept telling you, give me a reminder that you did that, and then I almost forgot anyway. So I appreciate you, man. Hey, it's, man. it's all good. It's, it's all good. Honor. Santana, you know, I know it's been crazy times. How are you and your family doing? You know, obviously we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel this pandemic, but mm-hmm. how's it been for everyone? It's been cool with me, honestly. Um, I just I just try to pray, man. I mean, some some things are kind of out of your control, and this is out of all our control, like far as control. So I just try to just pray and stay out, stay out the way, stay clear, steer clear, rather. Um, a lot of folks getting the shot, getting the vaccine now, and I'm sitting here just contemplating when would be a good time for me to do it. Um, I haven't ruled myself out yet, but I just haven't, I haven't got up, there, got out there, and and, and just done it. My family. My father and my mom has, they got the, they got the vaccine. I think about three months ago, and they're good. And I, I just hate hearing all the hoopla about it, man. Eventually, I'll get it done. But right now, I'm just yeah. staring clear, you know. Yeah, and Santana, you know, uh, we didn't bring you on to talk about COVID because we want to talk about your <laughs> life and your journey to the NFL. And I like to start with the early years. You were born in Miami and attended Miami Carroll City Senior High School. Not only were you a star football player there. But you earned third-team All-State football honors your your senior season. But you were a track star on top of that. You were yeah. a two-time state champion in the triple jump and won state title in the long jump during your junior year. And no big deal. You also set a school record in the triple jump with a leap of fourteen eight point fourteen point eight one meters. Yeah. Um, but I know Brad has a question kind of about your upbringing. I did. You know, it's it's kind of a two-pronged question. So. Miami, it's a football factory, and recruiters are dying to get talent from that area. One, can you tell us about your craziest story from being recruited? And then two, how did Miami eventually get you to commit despite them not giving you a scholarship? 
I think that all links in together. Honestly, y'all, this that story in itself is crazy because, um, you know, track. Who'd have known that track would have got me into the University of Miami? Uh, I stopped running track my sophomore year in high school because of scoliosis or whatever they said I had. I didn't pass the mm-hmm. physical, and um, it wasn't something that I wanted to do. But then at the same time, it was just track. That's how I looked at it. You know, track was something that I did because. I never considered myself as world class because there was a ton of guys that could beat me. But on the football field, you can honestly see what how track benefited. You know, what I mean, when it came to what my skills looked like when I was, you know, on the football field, I was one of those guys that can basically take what I've learned in track and use it on the football field. When many guys who do both, you can't see it in them. You know, on the football field, you don't see a a guy who runs, you know, the ten two or ten flat. On the foot, you don't normally see that on the football field. You have guys now. You have Tyreek Hill. You have a, a, a new a, a number of guys in the NFL now that have shown you that. But back in those days, I played with a lot of guys that was fast, faster than me, and it took them a while to really build up and be that guy on the football field. But with myself, uh, you know, that's where it always showed up. And on the track, nah, you know, I I was average, you know, to say the least. I was average, but I was a great jumper. And so uh, when I stopped running, I came back my junior year. Surprisingly, I got a chance to play. I passed the physical late. So I got a chance to play, even though I missed the whole training camp. My coach was one of those guys that if you didn't play, you know, you didn't practice in the training camp or or in two days, you call it, we call it, uh, you couldn't play that season. And he knew that, hey, Tanner wasn't one of those guys who didn't want to practice. He couldn't. So I'm going to give him a chance that he have a window, five weeks. If you can get in shape in five weeks, then you could be on my team. So he gave me that. He gave me the opportunity, and I went out there and had a monster season. Uh, we went to the game before state and lost. And he was the one that told me, "Hey, take all that energy, man. You displayed this year. I saw a lot of growth in you and your play. Now, I remind you, we are a school that don't throw the ball that much. So that particular year, he just started throwing me the ball once a game, and I'm just coming up with every catch because if he throws it to you once, he had a rule. If he throws it to you once, you better catch it because he might not come back to you." Uh, I was catching everything he threw, but it was only one pass a game. So uh, that year he was proud of me and say, look, man, take some of that energy to track. I think, you you know, it, it will benefit you in the long run. I'm like, nah, coach. He's like, nah, I'm not really asking you to do it. I need you to go out there and do it. So, um, you know, that coach, is what, he's one of those coaches that I looked up to and I, every, every word that he ever instilled in us as a core, as a team, you know, uh, he meant it. And, and we was always one of those 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 teams that, you know, basically made sure that we lived up to what he wanted us to be. So I went out there and ran track and I kind of didn't want to run. So I told myself I would just jump. And, you know, if I have to run, I run a four by one. I'm not doing nothing else. That was my way of not, you know, being a hard head, being a knucklehead and getting on the track coach nerves a little bit at the same time. And surprisingly, man, you know, I won the triple jump and long jump every almost every track meet, and then we get to state, and I won it. You know, I won in in state championship game. And before we started the the events on the track, actually, we had won we had won the track meet. Me and another guy, uh, Donald Heavens, he was our shot putting disc guy. Also played football with me. He won a trip. He won a shot putting disc. I won triple and long. And we placed in third in the triple with another guy, and I believe second in the high jump. We had like 80-some points. Track me haven't even started yet. That was all the field events. So when our track guys got out there and ran, we had them won the track me. So we come home with the school's first state championship 
ever in track and I'm a state champion in triple and long. And now my name is ringing football season started and I, I blow up surprisingly. We throwing the ball four or five times a game and I'm the guy, you know, then we take that and win state in football. But uh, long story short, what happened was even going to my senior year, University of Miami took notice and they wanted me for track. And uh, I got a call from Coach Shannon. He was the recruit guy for football that he was recruiting a lot of guys on my team, but, but not me. And uh, two, two of the guys that grew up with me in my neighborhood, they was already playing for the University of Miami. They were linebackers, and he was actually coaching those guys, Rod Mack and Nate Webster. And, he told, and they told him, look, pay attention to number 83 out there at Kara City. He's our, he's our homeboy. I know he can play here. And he was like, yeah, but they don't throw the ball, so he don't have that much film. They were like, I know, but just watch him. And he saw something in me one or two games, and he gave me a call say, look, man, it's already said that you come here for track, which I didn't know at the time. So I was like, track? He was like, yeah, we recruit you for track. I hung up the phone. That was my first. That was my first call, you know, saying that I had a scholarship. And I hung up the phone. I went off to Western Michigan for a visit. I went to Eastern Michigan for a visit. I had to go to Utah. And I hadn't went to Utah or Pittsburgh yet. And after those two visits, I knew right then and there, boy, I prayed that Miami called me back for that track scholarship. And he called me back. Knucklehead, listen, look, this is what we're doing. And, I, man, whatever you say, yeah, I'm down. That, you know, so that's how I kind of went. And basically with that, that little conversation of ours, he informed me that um, I was coming in on track and they have a thing where, you know, if I'm worthy, if I'm capable, you know, they would, they would let me walk on. And if I, you know, live up to their expectations or what the people say I can do, I can get a, you know, they will reward me with a football scholarship my sophomore year, which would be my red shirt freshman year. And uh, honestly, fourth game of the season, they gave me that scholarship. I was already, you know, I went out there and I, I raised enough eyebrows and I had to be played. I had to play early as a true freshman. That's uh, Sorry, Eric, I was, I was just going to say, like, that's that's really a story for a lot of kids today because they're told to specialize now. Like you, you have to play one sport if you got a shot to make it to the league because they need all the film. Yeah. Like you're, th that story you're telling right now is just showing, look, you just got to get eyeballs on you, show that you're an athlete and somebody will give you a chance. Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, I look back at that situation and I'm like, man, I gave a lot. I still to this day, thank so much of my football coach for just seeing the energy that I brought to the team that year. Cause you got to think about it. I wasn't going to play football my junior year because I missed the entire training camp. So he saw that, man, this guy missed the training camp and came in here week one of school. When school started that that day in August or September, whenever the fall season started, I came in and he was my weight crate or he was my scrim coach. So I had a class. We all all the football players had to have uh, weight training as a, a elective in high school. That was our thing. If you didn't have it as an elective, you had to practice before practice. I mean, you had to you had to work out before practice. I didn't want that. So I said, hey, I'll take it as a class. So I come into his class like, look, man, I passed, but I understand your rules. He's like, no, you was my starter last year. That rule, you you know, you exempt from that because you <laughs> had a problem. You had a situation. So he saw something, man. He saw that he set me out for five weeks. My first week back, I scored a touchdown. And it was just like that, man. You know, he was like, man, yeah, this, this guy's ready. He's hungry. So. All that build up into me, man, or build up in me and just set me set me off. And it's crazy. Win track state championship. We go and win football. And then that same my senior year in track, we didn't have the same team. You know, we had a lot of guys missing. We go up there again 
I could have clearly won the long jump again. I was supposed to. I was the defending <laughs> champ. Won the whole t the, the whole year. I'm killing everybody. I had to basically um, I, I scratched like all my jumps. I had one jump to make it back to the finals. So I jumped not touching the board and I got myself in like eighth place. Nice. And my first jump in the the um I believe the finals, it was a good jump. And it was like way lower than what I jumped my junior year, but it got me third place. So I surprisingly got in there and I didn't jump my best. So I was mad. I was pissed about that. And triple jump, I blew everybody out of the pit because I was just so pissed off. But I could have easily won the long jump again, but I didn't, man. I fell short and I, I felt like I let my team down. But I said all that to say this, we got runner up that track meet in the state champion track meet. So we didn't even come to defend our title. We knew we didn't have the same guys, but we still mm -hmm. ended up getting runner up. Yeah. So it was just crazy, man, that we was out there performing at a high level as a team and individually. And it just all came from the hard work we put in through all those years. Man, listening to this, I want to go tomorrow to a track and sprint. But Santana, going to the Miami days, and you had mentioned they didn't give you that scholarship till after the third game, and they made the right decision to yeah. award it to you because you went on to break Hurricanes records for most receiving yards with 2,546. Your senior year was especially special yeah. as you had 1,604 all-purpose yards being named first-team All-Big East Conference honors and were first-team All-American you also became the first player to earn Big East Offensive Player of the Year and Special Teams Player of the Year award in the same season. You are the one of the most important players in Miami football history. I don't think that's an understatement. Yeah. And you graduated as the school's all-time receiving yards leader, punt return yards, and all-purpose yards. Rightfully so, you were part of the U documentary and inducted into the Miami Sports Hall of Fame in 2011. I'm tired just reading that. <laughs> I'm not. Keep it on. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, your stock was very high coming out of college, and the Jets selected you 16th overall in the 2001 NFL Draft. Now, you wouldn't make your debut until week 12 against the Patriots, and you'd finish your rookie season with two catches for 40 yards. But the following season, you'd have more of an impact, catching 30 balls for 433 yards and four touchdowns. And 2003 was really your breakout party as you had 74 catches, for 1,105 yards and 10 touchdowns. But I know Coach has a question about just that wide receiver class you were in. Yeah, and that was that double-digit touchdown season. Um, you were part of a great wide receiver class, including the likes of Reggie Wayne, Chad Johnson, Chris Chambers, Steve Smith, TJ Huchmanzada. But it was Corn Robinson, Daryl, David Terrell. And I remember being beside myself as the Redskins drafted Rod Gardner, who wasn't a scrub by any means uh, to pick before you. It, it, it took three second, three seasons before D.C. corrected the mistake and traded Lavinius Coles to the Jets. What do you remember about draft night, and did you think you would end up in New York as a Jet? Yeah, I was pissed, honestly, man. Uh, but that's, I'm glad that I've been that guy always not to really um, get besides myself ever because the entire week I was, I was told I was going, going to Washington. And, I mean, when I tell you I've talked to everybody, you know, Washington Post, Every day I was getting someone from Washington calling me, asking me how it feels to be coming to shock. You know, back then Chocolate City was the name. Everybody saw everybody was talking yep. about Chocolate City. And I'm like, look, man, I'm not from Missouri, but you got to show me. I don't like to get all my hopes up high and then I, be, I have a letdown. And I'm glad I did. You know, I'm glad I had that perspective way back then as a young 20 year old. 20, and yeah, I wasn't even 21 yet. And so um, when I saw the uh, Redskins at the time, it was called the Redskins. They yeah. picked. They picked Rod Gardner at 15, 
I sat there and I was just like, boy, I was I was sipping on some yak at the time, honestly. <laughs> and I remember because I was, you know, that as that, you should, as you should, always been one of those things that calmed me down. You know, what I mean, I've I've always found that, that that can keep a lot of those butterflies that we get going on as a player or as just a person. Period. You know, I was sitting there sipping, and I was in my mom um then, and I'm sitting there like, man, I'm glad I didn't get my britches up in a bunch, but. <laughs> surprisingly when he got selected that phone rung and i'm like damn like they just picked rod so why i'm getting a call but that was the jets moved up to 16 to get me and it was crazy because i had told me and a friend a friend told me i was going to new york when i was a senior in college uh, my senior year before we even started that season we had a, we had the big east uh seniors uh captain breakfast in new york in manhattan so all the Big East captains would go to Manhattan and we'd sit there and talk about the upcoming season. And I was the only one that was complaining from our team the whole time about how dreary it was, cold and wet. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this city is, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Once I got to New York, I had found a different love for it. But at the time, being young, growing up in Miami all your life, all I know is palm trees and beaches. So, you know, when I saw buildings and cold and all those people, yeah. I was kind of like, uh, you know, throwed off a little bit. But, you know, you hear so much about New York and the big city. And I don't think that was just something that was appealing to me. So um, I know I shared this story before about not wanting to come to New York. But once I got there, I realized, you know, you know, the significance of, you know, playing in New York and just, you know, being a star there can be, you know, pivotal for my career. And, you know, we talk about my early years. It's crazy. We didn't mention that, you know, after that first year, I was hurt the entire year. Hurt, yeah. No, I hurt my meniscus. So I got the uh, I repaired it instead of just getting it carved out. And I'm glad I did because they was pissed about that. But that second year, the next year, I was the first team all pro as a punt returner. I ran. I led the league in punt return touchdowns and I was snubbed for the Pro Bowl after having that for that rookie season. I'm not doing much. So if you look at it, we talked about we just mentioned that that uh, my breakout season, my third year as a receiver, it was back to back years where I was a pro bowl alternate for a punt return. My second year, I really call that my first year playing and my second year really playing. But my first year starting uh, in 03, uh, I was an alternate again as a receiver for the pro bowl. So I look back at that that quick four years. And I'm like, man, I, I did some great things up there in a short span of time knowing where i came from basically how i got to that point a lot, a lot of people don't look at it like that and i i you know i'm not a guy that's going to call somebody and say hey man look up this and tell me give me more credit for that no i'm not that guy to do it but i just hear so many people get you know you know big ups for how they you know their careers was and i'm like here i am i went through the fire and back you know what i mean and was able to make it out unscathed and put up big numbers and i don't get those those recognitions or get those big ups that I see a lot of other guys get. So uh, And being a little guy as a wide receiver, you just get un underrated to begin with. I really think that's why maybe the Redskins at the end of the day were like, oh, Brock Gardner's this bigger guy, and we, we're just going to go with him. But, yeah, yeah little guys yeah. and wide receivers. Um, Dan Snyder wanted me. That was the story. Every year leading up to the draft, I would hear somebody come from, you know, the Redskins at the time, and they would tell me, like, you know, uh, Marty Scheinheimer and Dan Snyder had a big feud draft day about me. Dan wanted me and Scheinheimer said he wanted a big receiver. So, you know, Rod Gardner was a gangster. I love Rod, man. Rod was yeah. Rod thing at Clemson, you know, and Rod actually did his thing with the Redskins. When I got yeah. there, Coach Gibbs told me it was going to be me and Rod Gardner, but Rod didn't come yeah. back. So, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to be there. And surprisingly, man, 
you know, everything panned out well for me. Now, I didn't get a chance to see those playoff appearances like I would have liked, but I can't, I can't be mad about my career. I wish I had a couple more attempts here and there, but, man, look, you know, I was one of those guys, man, whatever you gave me, I tried to make the most of, and, and I think I did, did so, you know? Yeah, and Dan Snyder got his wish because after your fourth season with the Jets, you were traded to the Washington Skins at that time, which would set you up for the best statistical years of your career in Santana. Mm -hmm. I know you're a believer in things that happen for a reason. And as soon as, as soon as you went to Washington, you made Vinny Serrato look smart, which is probably one of the few occasions. As you caught 84 balls for 1,483 yards and nine touchdowns and earning your Pro Bowl that first season that you deserved. And yeah. you'd play a loyal 10 years for the team, which I don't think we see a lot anymore, having three 1,000-yard seasons finishing third all-time receptions in the team history, and winning the hearts of tens of thousands of fans. Now, there is one game that you know we have to ask about, and I know Brad wants to ask this. <laughs> well, so I have a – it's another two-parter question. I don't know if it's the game that you want to hear about. But so first, uh, I'm curious, you know, what are some things that the NFL players deal with just to get on that field? You know, when we wake up and we're nerds and we love to do our – fantasy football, you know, fantasy, fantasy lineups. And we see a guy with a questionable tag and we just, we look back at the history, you know, do they normally play with questionable or how do they do when they're playing kind of hurt? It's just kind of a, it's a letter to us, but you guys are real people. You're going through real stuff. Like you're playing through broken, but like, what do you guys have to do to get on, get out on that field that fans don't really know about? That's my first question. And then the second question that kind of ties into it. I need to hear the Henny game story, man. You and Clinton Portis. Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, uh, folks better realize, especially coming from where I came from when it came to missing that almost the whole my, my whole first year in New York. I mean, I told myself I basically made a pact with myself. Like, look, man, I, you know, if I can play, if it's like 80 percent of me, if it's 75 percent of me, I'm going to go out there and go, you know, mm -hmm. I played with less. I played at 50%. You know what I mean? So after hurting my knee early in my career, I never wanted to be sitting on the sideline and watching my team go to work when I know I can do something. Like, I don't have to be the star. And I never really carried that. You know, I always wanted to be one of the guys that will help us, you know, do my part to help the team win. So I knew that sometime, you know, being a decoy. I learned that in college when I hurt my ankle my senior year. You know, I was a decoy for five weeks before I really started, you know, getting to my groove again. So having that in the back of my head after having that first season as a pro, uh, I just told myself by any means necessary. So I learned from some of the greats, you know, Curtis Martin taught me a lot. You know, uh, Marvin Jones, when I was in New York, um, I had T-Buck there for one year. They just taught me about taking care of my body. So I got a guy when I first got to D.C., that was going to basically stay in my basement. Look, he's going to take care of me. And if he couldn't do it, like, I know. Like, I I can rest assured that this guy, he just let me know. Leave it on the field. Because he knew that once he get me on the longest thing, broke where I can't do anything, he's going to get me back on the field. And then it's sometimes when he'll tell you, like, look, you can probably not break nothing. And it still be a little percentage or a chance that you might not play depending on where the injury is at. And when it comes down to the story that everybody heard, I, it's a couple of Henny stories out there because it's, <laughs> it's so crazy because one of them was a real time I needed it. And the other time people don't know, I always did it. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like it was a one, you know, one time thing. Yeah, I did my career. So it just, 
couple of games got more recognition than others. But the one game that that um, I spoke on on another podcast was the game against the Cowboys in 07, I believe. My hill. Uh, that's the one with Master. Oh uh, no, this is the one with um, uh, I believe um, Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden. Okay. Uh, okay. Did. Um. Yeah, it's insane with Master too. Also, yeah, yeah, you're right. I talked about it on his podcast also. Um, I basically just couldn't play. I wasn't going to play. I had missed the game already. My heel was so big, couldn't put a shoe on. I was cutting out my cleats, the back of my cleats, just to try to walk, you know, and see if I can go. And I had missed a week or two, I think, by that time. I probably missed two. And that's going to be my third week missing. I had a boot on throughout the week. So, you know, folks don't know, man. We go through all that stuff and just know – I'm sitting home and it sucks to be in season and not playing. You know, no one wants to be hurt. I know some guys love it. Myself, nah, I don't feel like I'm 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 doing my due. I don't feel like I'm I deserve that check at the end of the day. You know, if I'm not playing, I I'm not gonna tell you you can keep my check, but that's how I feel. <laughs> like when I got that check, I didn't feel good about you know, you know, not being able to go out there and and, and lay it on the line with my team. So um just you know. Dan came and gave me a holler and was like, look, man, you know, can you give it a shot? And just all I needed, you know, sometimes you need that push. And I told him, I, if you just, that's what you want from me, you know, I got some things, I got some remedies that I can, you know, cook up. And you, you know, took a little literal shot. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna go out there and see if we can do it. And um, it, it happened, man. I mean, I want to buy, like I said before, I want to advise nobody to do it because I was just another person. But I, I laugh about it a lot because I look back on it and I'm like, that's some of the things that no, we shouldn't get praised for it because it's not safe. You can say when it, when it comes to some of the things that we do, but if I'm a person that's on a team and a guy and, 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 and I hear that story and I know that guy and I'm watching this guy's body of work throughout the years and I'm wondering why he went about his business, then I got to give, I got to give him a little more, you know what I mean? Than what I gave him before, because look, a lot of guys checking out. A lot of guys like, man, screw it. I'm straight, man. They ain't finna mess up my my league, or they ain't finna have me out here playing for nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, but that was just the guy in me. You look, you know, it wasn't fun feeling like I felt. But look, if I can get out there and give it my all, because I was gonna probably play anyway, and I'd rather play with no pain than having something in the back of my head saying that I can't be myself. So man, uh, wait, so Santana, I don't like Henny, and, and please don't hate me and uh, block me or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> So what's what's a good backup for someone that may not be a dark liquor guy like myself? What's your go-to? Tito's now. Tito's has been my favorite now because, you know, Henny was that thing that I did when I played a lot. And I didn't know at the time that dark liquor, period, put put weight on you. So due to the fact that I'm I'm not, you know, uh, that deep into my nutritional uh, intake, but I am at the same time. Uh, one of the things I knew about uh, Tito's, it was uh, gluten-free, I believe, and I don't chase a lot no more. So normally those those fruit drinks and stuff that you chase your liquor with is what add, give you that added sugar that puts the weight on you. So I stopped, I stopped doing all that. I stopped intaking uh, dark liquor, and now I just stick to Tito's. Tito's does it right for me because now I don't have to be that tanner no more on the field. Man, no, free ads, no free ads, though. We can't, we can't be giving Tito's. No, there, there is one free ad. ad. You know what? We need to ad. give them all ads, and I need to give them a ring, too. <laughs> there is one more free ad we're going to give on here. Have you tried Hugh Jackson's tequila, Graham Leenda? Not a tequila guy, man. I, I'm sorry, man. Sugar. I probably would try it if someone would say, hey, just take a shot. But that's the only time I ever have. 
have tequila. Like if someone would say, man, take this, you know, and they probably have to get me to do it because I'm I'm always turning tequila down. Like I just can't I can't stand the taste of it. Nah, no, I understand. So we're going to go to one cowboy game to another cowboy game. This one is 2005. And I'm going to give it to Coach, the one that is decked in all skins gear. Yeah, this one's that game vividly. This one speaks to my soul, and we're talking a little drinking here. Uh, the year of the small receiver in 05, you and Steve Smith lead the league in receiving yards. Uh, this is the Monday Night Miracle. The one I remember vividly is my first and only full-out bar fight, the Hooters of Rockville. Everybody got a Cowboy fan, and I had one that says D.C. stands for Dallas Cowboy. Anyways, long story short, words were said, and we were wrecking. But two touchdowns, one bomb on a fourth and 15, 40 yards with 346 left and another 70-yard torpedo in the final minute. It was a first win in Dallas in six years and one of my greatest uh, rescuing memories. Uh, Can you tell me about that sort of walk-off finish? What the rivalry means to you being, you know, kind of playing the role of a cowboy killer? I mean, honestly, that's a way to really be introduced, you know, uh, as a Redskins that season. I mean, I had just came from my first game. It was home, and I had 90-something yards in my, uh, you know, my my first game as a Redskins. And then to go have, you know, score the first touchdown, the first the first two touchdowns of the season for the team and to have a walk-off, uh, you know, um, basically like a home run touchdown like that, it meant a lot, man. I didn't even really know how big the rivalry was because I just came from the – NFC East, and I know you know, I was as a Jet, the Dolphins game is big, the Buffalo game is big. Back then, Indianapolis was in our division, that game was big, and New England was big. So, you like you pick your poison, but I didn't know in the NFC, uh, I mean, I mean, that was the AFC East, rather. Now, I'm in the NFC East, and the Cowboy game just seemed to have a, a different significance than all the others. Being young, kind of naive a little bit, not knowing much about the division. I didn't really, really go into that game with that perspective of just as the game, you have to really go out here and rise your level of play. Uh, I've always been a guy that, you know, when you give me opportunities, it's, it's no telling what I can do. You know, that's one of the things that I would probably write in my book a lot, speaking about opportunity. You know, that's something I learned early, you know, in my playing years, uh, something that my high school coach t- spoke about. And I kind of based my career and even my post life off opportunities. You know, I'm big on being ready. You know, I've always been a guy. That's why I like to prepare. That's why I'm I'm one of those guys. If I can't go in and I didn't get a chance to go out there and get going, I'm not wanting to sell myself short. So I want to be ready for every, you know, opportunity. And that's what that game really came down to. You look at that game, you know, a lot of folks give me a lot of credit for that game. And I'm like, yeah, I, truthfully so, I, I should probably get a lot of that credit. Mark Brunel could get a lot of that credit. The coaches who – the coach who really, you know, who got called to tell – that Tanner was pissed off, should get a lot of – Porter should get a lot of credit. The Cowboys, of, DBs get credit. They got credit every – my whole career for me beating them. You know <laughs> what I mean? But uh, <laughs> honestly, man, you can give credit to a lot of people. But, I, you know, then I look back at it, I'm like, if you look at my career, it was a stat that was – that stood out amongst all the other stats. And it was like I had probably at the time – I'm not sure if it's like that now. I had probably – more touchdowns and catches in the fourth quarters of a lot of games in my career. Absolutely. A lot of other receivers. And it stood out to me because a lot of folks might look at that. Oh, that's, that's, you know, that's garbage time and kind of getting his stat on. No, that's the time when I'm like, yeah, when you think it's over, I'm still trying to eat. You know what I'm saying? I've always been hungry like that. So 
Um, you know, I look back at that game and I'm like, you know, it was a great way to really be introduced to this team. And now they know. I mean, this guy back to back weeks gave us, you know, you know, you know, he gave him he gave him a little something week one and week two. He, he let them know, you know, hey, this is this is going to be me all year long. And, you know, basically throughout my career, if you give me opportunities and that's what that season was, man, that season was magical. Because now the coaching staff is like, man, you know, we're going to throw this stuff out. The, you know, all this crap we got in the playbook, let's throw it out. Santana can run everything. You know, they were basically drawing up stuff weekly to tell me, hey, well, I saw this team that played the team that we got run this play. We don't have that in our game plan. But do you can you run this play? Put it in there, coach. I can do it. And that's how that, that season was. And then I hate to talk about that season because I look back at it and I'm like, man, we changed the offense the year, the next year. And started me from having a success that I think I could have had throughout my whole career because now we're trying to run a base offense when, you know, my skill set didn't really, you know, uh, put me in the base offense. You could just use me, like put me in the backfield, line me up in the slot, line me, bring me tight, bring me in motion. You do a lot of stuff. And I see a lot of guys now with my – my body type and my skill set that's getting used that way. But unfortunately, you know, the teams that I played on, you know, wasn't up to speed on that then. Yeah. And Satana, you wrapped up your career in 2014, but there's a lot of other things you've been getting into uh, several, several television commercials. There's yeah. one in particular I want to bring up. Uh, do you remember the Eastern Motors commercials? <laughs> yeah. I remember those Eastern Motors days because I honestly didn't know what we was doing, but I knew that the end of the, <laughs> I had a nice car to drive around for a couple of years. So, you know, I was going to do it regardless. <laughs> could, could we get for the first time ever on a podcast, Santana Moss singing the commercial? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm, not getting, I'm not getting paid for it. So, no. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, no free, ads. Ads, man. That's no free ads. ads. Oh, yeah. man. That's fair Santana, enough. probably the only thing we have in common is that we're handsome and we both have an MBA. <laughs> I pursued mine for career advancement opportunities, but you were already established. When you went back to school, what made yeah. you want to get it? Mm. Well, you know how like when you when when something is meant, we spoke about it a little earlier. Um, I had kind of like probably four years prior to being asked. Um, I was like, man, I, I want to go back to school, but I need a reason. You know, what I mean, I need something that's saying like this is the reason why you should go back. I had got my undergrad, so I was kind of cool with that. I was sitting like, man, I graduated before I even got to the league. You know, made my mom proud twice, graduated and got drafted. So, you know, why should I go back? You know, give me that reason. Then out of nowhere, them last four seasons, you know, um, I was playing mostly in the slot. And my last year, I really feel like, you know, I didn't get a chance to really showcase the still that, you know, I had still stuff left. You know what I mean? And, you know, that was like a bummer to me a little bit because I, you know, I could have easily got two or three more years out of my career. But like I said before, when sometimes things are men, it just happens. You can't really question. And so my agents being, you know, who they were always, they always gave good advice. And um, Jason and Drew Rosenhaus gave me a text like, hey, bud, you know, University of Miami has this program uh, for athletes and entertainers to get their master's in business. And I think it'd be something good for you to put yourself into, you know, you know doing an offseason just just in case. We don't know. You're a free agent. And this is your, what, second time being a free agent? I think the first time I, I signed right back with the team. And so, you're like, this is just, you know, and now you're much older. And then depending on how that season was, who knows how long it takes for you to get picked up. So I understood. I understood. And I'm like, 
let me give it a you know a little thought and I'll let you know. And I kind of like prayed on it at night, went to sleep, woke up, I'm like, bro, this is an opportunity, a lifetime. Take it. You never know what you can get out of this. And I had already been, you know, dabbing a little bit here and there into the business world with some of the little, you know, the investments I was into that I didn't know crap about, but I'm out there, you know, knee deep in them. So I thought it'd be good. And I said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to do it. And it was actually the probably the best thing I could do for my career because now here I am, first year out of game, out of the game that I played for 14 years, and I'm lost, man. I'm really a fish out of water. Like I don't know what. Like I'm home and like just like just looking at the wall. Like man, this is this is not what I expected. And now I, you know, I look back at a lot of guys who probably had to deal with that, and it's it's just it happens to us all because you don't know. You've been doing something for so long. You don't know how to take those years when it come. You know, you don't know how to just jump right into being somebody else or being the person that now you have to be outside your career. But I still had hope that I can play. So I never was giving up that hope and I still was training. But I think it was best for me to have something else going on. And school was the best thing for me because now my, my mind deep into studying every day and it was hard. It wasn't easy at all. So. Just knowing how hard it was, it gave me a chance to escape from the thought of playing to like now I want to graduate. And as those weeks pat, you know, padded up and, and added on, I kind of just said to myself, watching the league, how things go, listening to my agents, how they gave me phone calls here and there. You know, I kind of sat back and I thought about the guys that I watched coming between those doors and get cheated out of a, a you know a practice or or even a chance to play and knowing they had potential and i'm saying to myself now i see guys all the time for 14 years i've watched guys come in that i can play with that should be playing and it's a number system now because now they're not getting paid so they don't really have to have you there you know when they got some money in you they're going to get it all out of you when you're a guy that's floating around it's a number system if you if you can you know be on the team and they can, you know, sneak you in there without having to worry about, you know, paying somebody else. Or if somebody got hurt, then you're good. But if the first time someone gets hurt, you're the casualty. You're going to be the guy that had to take the fall because now we have to move somebody to bring somebody in for that slot. And you're the only guy that's around that we really don't have no money in. So I didn't want to be him. And I was hearing those, you know, rumblings here and there. My agent would call me and say, hey, you know, we got some calls, but everybody know you can still play. They're watching the film like, man, why didn't he play much? more last year and I'm like you gotta understand my situation I had a whole new staff and they didn't owe me anything so they didn't play me like they should and they kind of tried to you know whatever they wanted to do those first six weeks when they was trying to play with me then they tried to throw me in a, after that those six weeks and I'm like now you have a guy that's not motivated so yeah I played my last year kind of like discouraged a little bit like man these people really took all the work I built up to be ready to have a, a bomb you know 14th year and they, they 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 cheated me. They really took that from me. And then they tried to throw me in there. And the coach tell me to my face, yeah. And I, to me, telling you this story, I felt like it was like a slap in the face. Because I go in his office after everything over, and I'm just going to be professional as I can be. I gave everybody a handshake, man. Hey, coaches, it was a good one. See you guys one day. Maybe not next year here. Because I kind of felt it, you know what I mean? And especially if you're going to be the coach. And it's talking about Gruden. I didn't have no hard feelings. Gruden I feel like I still had you know the utmost respect for him and I respected him as a coach like because I know he didn't owe me anything and I shook his hand like hey man and he like yeah you know that was on me you know what I mean I should have played you earlier 
Come on, man. You, I deserve more than that. Like, don't tell me that. And I didn't take it like that, but I thought I got what that office. I'm like, see, that right there is the reason why, you know, some of us as as athletes handle situations like that differently. You know, I couldn't let myself be that person though. Cause I'm like, man, you just cheated me out of a season. And he tell me that to my face after the season over with. But you know what? That man up there got all everything in control. And so what's meant is meant, you know what I mean? So that's why I didn't take it. You know, I took it like a grain of salt and I just walked out the door. But um, just knowing that the organization knew my body of work, Dan Snyder has always been a guy that I had the utmost respect for. I knew it wasn't the end of me being around Washington. You know, I just felt like I did too much. And at, you know, at least, I didn't see myself being in broadcasting or nothing like that. But I just knew that uh, I put too much into this organization for me to allow, you know, my last days with them to be that, you know what I mean? And so I just stayed true, man, walked out the door and school kind of took everything, you know, out of me when it came to football. After eight weeks and just knowing that, man, I'm out here and I didn't get the call that I wanted, I was done. Cause I'm like, you can't cheat me and say, I'm ready to, for you to come up here week 12 and, and be a body. No, because now I'm cheating your team and I'm cheating myself. Cause I can't get myself together after all this time and say, I'm going to go out there and give you something. You know what I mean? I know other guys might would say, hey, I'm going to take the check, but I'm not that type of guy. No, I want to give you good product. You know what I'm saying? And you could pay me for that, but I don't want to take your check if I can't put the best product on the field, you know, for you guys. So I just told myself it's a wrap, you know, and I called Dan and was like, hey, man, I'm going to retire skin because I'm not going anywhere else. And he was like, man, come up. And that's kind of how everything else now, what I'm doing kind of started. Did you so stand up for that? Because uh, I remember, at the, you know, being a true fan, watching, you know, two years prior, you had eight touchdowns and you was super clutch in the fourth quarter. It's like, why Why is he not starting? Like, why is he not playing? Well, why is he not even, like, playing at the end of the games and some of these close games? Yeah. And and I can see you explaining it now that it's a coach staff thing. And I, I just want to let you know that the fan base, we were all clamoring, saying the same yeah. thing. It's kind of like, why are we going to scratch a, a Adrian Peterson – Game one, when like the year before, he's running all over people. Like this makes zero sense. It's a system. It's a number system, man. And and you, it's always guys like ourselves be you know casualties by it because you know it's funny because uh, I remember going to games. The first game of that year in 2014, I remember we played the Texans and Andre Johnson. You know he was my roommate in college. We was we were and we was close. Always been close. And the DBs was getting ready because they knew at the time Tanner had them been moved to the slot. You know. Everybody knew that even with me being in the slot, I was still the same dude, you know. And so Andre, I remember him sharing the story with me like, man, the guys came in the field like, boy, 89 ain't playing. We are so happy. And I'm like, see, this is crap right here because your coaching style don't know, don't have enough sense to know we got to put this guy on the field. Because you got to think at the time, man, we had we had D-Jack in his prime and uh, my son, right? son in his prime. Now, those, the guy, those guys still doing their thing. And now you got. A grown man in the middle, in myself, that's still taking taking kids' lunch money out there on the field. You know? <laughs> At the time, man, even they was pissed off about it. And they were like, you know, me and DJs talk a lot about it, you know, about like, man, they tend to say something. And I'm not that guy, man, because I feel like I put the work on the field. Like, the proof is in the pudding. So what I used to do, man, I <laughs> it's crazy because we had Coach Raheem. He was the um, – DB coach. Yeah, DB coach. Yeah. I would go run the scout team of anybody who was that guy for the other team. And they hated me out there. Like, the, uh, <laughs> all of them used to be like, bro, if you, D Hall was a, a, a guy that used to, bro, he was standing up for me, like, telling this, this, this is bull. Like, you need to be playing, bro. You giving us hell in, in scout practice. 
I'm like, I'm doing this for a reason because one ain't gonna cheat me out of my reps. I gotta get out here and practice. They told me to go take a knee. I'm a veteran. You you, you deserve a break. Nah, you give me a break Sunday. I might as well work throughout the week. You know what I'm saying? So let me go out here and eat and get my guys ready. So I was out there taking advantage of the opportunity just to run the scout team, knowing that I'm gonna give myself a chance to be the guy. So when you throwing the ball to me. This is what I can do to somebody else's DBs. And when they needed that, you know, they knew I could do that. But it was just one of those things, man. They got to weed you out some kind of way. And that was the way of getting me out of there, you know. We're talking to Santana Moss, the ultimate professional. And I has me running through a wall that. right now, man. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me want to just stay at my job the rest of my life. <laughs> Santana, we like to get our, our guests out of here with a little rapid fire, a little this or that. You game? Yeah, I'm game always. All right. You probably have not heard some of these questions, so just be prepared. I know you are. <laughs> would, would you rather go one and one against the Cowboys, you win in Dallas, or sweep the Giants? Honestly, man, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one and one against the I mean, the Giants, trust me, they they always found, gave you guys problems. They find a way to this day. I always tell folks, we always give this praise to the Cowboys. The Giants have always been our toughest opponent. So, but to, just to go one and one against the Cowboys, I take that any day because I knew what it does to the city. The city is like <laughs> it's, a zoo, it's a zoo when we beat the Cowboys. You know? I, I love it. Would you rather ruin the surprise at a surprise party? Or show up and realize too late is a black tie event. Ruin that thing, man. I'm not. I don't want to be surprised. I don't like being surprised, honestly. So, you know, don't 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 sell me a good time, man. Let me know. So I just say ruin it. Okay. Well, you're the first person that wants to ruin someone else's joy. <laughs> Would you rather give up your phone or only wear Crocs the rest of your life? Would I rather give up my phone? Or wear Crocs for the rest of my life. I wear Crocs for the rest of my life, man. I ain't giving up my phone. All right, I like it. I'll I'll get you a pair. What (laughs) we talked a little bit about this prior. What did you max out in the league? Oh man, so I was sharing with y'all a little story. Yeah, yeah. I never really knew in the league about maxing because in college I did all my maxing there. Uh, but Carlos Rogers, man, he was on the team, and we had just got D Hall. D Hall. First couple of days as a Redskin, him and Carlos, they plotting on make that. Them guys found a way to gamble about everything we did. So D Hall with his new money, he just got a bunch of money from from Oakland. And now he here with us with some new money. They betting guys who can run throw, throw one rep of something on the bench. I forgot what it was. Carlos knew, man. Carlos the dog be like, I'm gonna get him, can him, can him. So Carlos like. D Hall don't know Carlos gonna get him. So Carlos like, come on, I know Tanner could throw that. So D Hall like bet, man, Tanner little, you know, it was like 375. And it was on a bench. And like I said before, we never really maxed, but Carlos just seeing me in the weight room, he knew I was pretty strong. And I got up and I, and I didn't even know if I can lift it, honestly, because the last time I probably benched was at you know at UM. And I think I did about 350, 360. 375 was something new to me. And I got in, I just threw that thing one, and then I did it. Uh, uh, I did it the second time. So three seventy five, I gave myself a max. I haven't even tried more than that because I never was big into all that, that being able to bench a whole lot. I didn't like I said before. You see these dumbbells behind me. That's all I do. Real question: Did Carlos Rogers give you a cut of that? 
Oh yeah, you best believe I got. It. That's the only reason why I do it. I want, I want one of them. Ah, you played D Hall. I love it. I love it. Three seventy five. Uh, you played that off real, man. You acting like you're like oh, I'm sort of wait around here and there. But honestly, bro, it was a surprise because I didn't think I can do it. Honestly, I went there doubting myself, like man, I'm just gonna give it a try. But hey, we can win. It's not my money, so I'm not losing anything. You know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Love that. All right, I got one. Um, seven v seven. You got one of your former QBs. Who you picking? Oh man, I'm going with I'm going, well shit. I only could pick one, huh? You gotta pick you gotta pick friend of the show, Jason Campbell. Yeah. We I are will, Jason Campbell I fans. Know. I don't know, Brunel. Jason knows he's my guy, but I gotta go with Mark or either Benny. So I'm gonna go with Mark. Since Mark was a red skin with me, I'll go with Mark, man. Mark Brunel, man. All right, awesome. This one is completely the opposite of football. Would you rather a bell ring every time you're horny or never be horny again? Ring that damn bell. <laughs> no hesitation. My man. Come on. <laughs> My man. The hell? What type of question is that, man? <laughs> let them know. It's time. Hey, let, it's, hey he did give time. you the warning that there are going to be some weird ones. Yeah. <laughs> ring that damn bell. You already know what time it is. Light the candle. We got a few left here. Would you rather sleep on the floor? No blankets or pillows for one year, or for one year, every shower you take has to be cold. Hell no. I'm going to sleep on that floor. But uh, couldn't you just take a quick shower and just, like, be done? No, not in no cold water, man. That is impossible, man. You, you ever had one of those things going in your house where just something's going on and the water pressure is yeah. not, not giving you, an, and that'd be the worst bath ever. You could barely get in there and be comfortable, man. <laughs> Especially if it's, if you up there in the cold, you know, you can't take a cold shower in the cold. So, nah, I sleep on that floor any day. If you're just tuning in, floor. Santana does not like the cold. Nah, I mean, I'm, bro, to this day, man, I, my, my blood is too thin. I've always told folks that, man, like I can, I can, I can maintain myself in the cold, but I hate it. Like even, even when I was playing, you, you got to see the things that I did to be warm on the field. Like I did so much crazy stuff, man, because I just knew that. I had to play. I had to play in that, you know, in those temperatures and that weather. And it's impossible to go out there and just act like I can take it for 60 minutes. So I did. So I made sure that I was as warm as possible. You a Florida boy through and through. You yeah, took your college I, I, visit to Utah and Michigan. You were like, I got to get this Miami thing going. Again. I, I, you know, I should have I should have known that he would have picked sleeping on the floor after thinking <laughs> where he grew up. All right. I got two left here. Would you rather live in a world where you dance instead of walk? Or sing instead of talk. Sing instead of talk. I knew that is <laughs> because of the Eastern commercial that he won't sing for me. Now I'm a, I'm one of those guys that when you, you you walk around the house or you in my house, I'm always harmonizing, singing something. I grew up in a house. My mom has a pretty good voice. My younger brother Sonoris, who played in the league, he can blow. You know, I, to this day I still get on him because I felt like he should have been a singer post career. You know, now he's acting more than he's singing. And I'm like, bro, you cheating yourself, like. <laughs> Singing is your thing. Like I always said, if it wasn't sports, it was going to be singing. But uh, he, he chose acting. So I would say singing because it's just one of those things. I'm a Gemini, and we laugh about this, me and, Tra uh, me and uh, Travis Travis Thomas, you know, especially when we had our podcast going, he would always say I'm the, I'm the perfect Gemini because I, like I like the rap, and then I cut it off, and I'm an R&B cat. So, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the best of both sides on the, uh, to this CD. All right. All right. The Moss family plays football and sings. I love it. The last yeah. one. If you could pick, what would be the new Washington football team nickname? 
That's a tough one. I am not even going. I'm not going to cross that bridge. Honestly, whatever they pick, I hope it's something good. Um, I'm kind of satisfied with what we got right now. And then, I, 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 it's grown on me. It, it, you know, it's it. one of those things, man. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. So, you know, I understand we didn't have the season that we wanted, but we, we took that season and 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 played in a playoff game. So if that's the if that's the worst we're gonna be with that kind of a uh, you know that name the Washington football team, then I think the next thing is up from there. So um, right now I'm I'm cool with what we have. Don't don't to me don't don't wreck your brain trying to fix it. No, that that's certainly true. And you know, speaking from someone that was playing before the team, Santana, it was a pleasure having you on. Um, before yes. we get you out of here, is there anything you want to plug to our listeners? Anything you're working on? No, I mean, right now it's been one of those kind of times, man, that um, it's so much stuff that we still don't even know what we're going to be able to do. I see the CDC is opening up a lot of things. So I just hope everybody have a a clean build of health, man, going forward. You guys I'm talking to, the world, the people who I don't get a chance to see. I'm just praying for everybody, man, because I just I feel like what we went through, man, this last year, it it was an opener. You know, Um, I take the good with the bad because I honestly learned a lot by myself. Also got deep into politics, which I never thought I'd be up be, be into. And now I see things a lot differently. And I think we all have to go through some something just to get to where we need to go. And that's where I'm at right now. I went we went through a year of just not knowing. And we still kind of in that no man, that no, that no man space where we don't know. Um, I'm hoping that everybody could just stay healthy, man, and make it out of this thing so we can talk about it down the road. Yeah. And if you want to follow him on the socials, you can find him on Instagram, eight to nine for some motivational quotes and a lot of throwback Thursday pictures. That's the theme that he has. I love Instagram, man, because you could just be straight to the point. You ain't got to sit up there and tell no stories. You know what I'm saying? The pictures basically (laughs) tell everything. So that's where I'm at. And I have a Facebook page also. I do. I throw a lot of my stuff from Instagram to to Facebook. I don't, I'm not really on Facebook. The community is too big for me. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, a lot of Facebook stuff is like being a, a reunion. You see all the folks back in high school and stuff, and I'd be like, "Man, I ain't got no time for this." So, and and he's not he's not active on Twitter, so don't know trying to find him there. I think my my last tweet said I was chilling, so I'm still chilling. Oh yeah, always chilling. <laughs> for sure.